listening to Pick Hard Talk exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome to episode three, nevertheless, of the show where we, because we are nerds, dissect each and every episode of the brand new Star Trek Picard series. My name's Mark Pollard. My host, Mark Latham, is giggling in the background. Hello. (laughs) Now, rather unusually, because we obviously want to get hot and bothered right at the front end, we want to be on the... uh, the firing line of discussion about uh, this show. We've just quite literally finished watching it for the first time together. Indeed, yes. As as friends. As friends. Without hot dogs and nachos. Without hot dogs, without nachos, and without me having spoiled the opportunity because we've watched it so close to the release time, I didn't really have an opportunity to do that. This is quite literally off the cuff, five minutes having watched it. Mm-hmm. Raw. Raw. I've never done it this well. Um, my levels of preparation when I've seen it two or three times are pretty poor, so I'm going to be most interested to see how well I can cope with going into depth about a show I watched five minutes ago. This episode was the... The end of the beginning. It's episode three. Have you got a synopsis there, Mark? I have indeed, yes. This week's episode, the synopsis is, completely unaware of her special nature, Soji continues her work and captures the attention of the Borg Cube Research Project's executive director. After rehashing past events with a reluctant Raffi, Picard seeks others willing to join his search for Bruce Maddox, including pilot and former Starfleet officer Christabel Rios. Discuss. Very good. What were your initial thoughts? I liked it. I think there was a little bit of padding that didn't necessarily need to be there. What about you? Same. Again, I was I felt a little bit frustrated again about that. We still haven't got his full crew and we've only just left Earth and we're now on to episode four. So it still feels a little bit, come on. Well, ten episodes and we're in episode three. Yeah. I've still got that air of frustration about it. I mean, it was still a good episode, wasn't it? I enjoyed it, yeah. When we're saying that, I think the opening scene of the this episode perfectly depicts my air of frustration which is we watch the previously on bit and then we go straight into the new yep. scenes of the episode and lose a valuable 30 seconds re-watching the androids killing people on the, Mars, from the previous episode which is kind of more or less what we saw in the previous episode and by all accounts is kind of what's shown in the the short trek yep uh, that we haven't seen so we're only guessing bearing in mind i always feel these episodes aren't quite long enough to lose a valuable 30 seconds watching something I've already seen. It's like, ah, oh, come on. Without the, the bit that comes at the end telling you what's on yeah. next week, it was a 41-minute episode. Yeah. Now, so included in that is the previously seen and the next bit. But the next bit was good. It was. So we go back in time. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. 14 years, and we actually witness the moment when uh, JL <laughs> hands in his regular resignation. Well, he offers it, doesn't he? Yeah. And surprisingly, they accept, which is probably something he wasn't expecting to happen. I mean, let's start off with the obvious, which is the new uniforms. Yeah, did you like it? Well, they're not new uniforms, are they? The, the old new uniforms that have since been replaced by the new uniforms that we see now. Yeah, I don't know whether this is going to become a contentious issue because 14 years ago, the uniforms seemed to be much better than they are now with only a slight subtle change to the way they really were in Voyager slash Deep Space Nine. They look cool. They do. I mean, they're really, really good. They've put a lot of creative thought into it, but 14 years ago, they then decided, 
let's go back to the way they were 20 years ago. I thought Patrick Stewart made it a condition that if he came back, he wasn't wearing a, a uniform. <laughs> Sneaky Amazon. Aren't they? He's like, um, I won't be anywhere near the Enterprise and uh, on, on the Enterprise D and I won't be wearing a uniform. I've seen him twice in a uniform. Maybe they did what they did in Green Lantern and just CGI'd it on. <laughs> why, am I wearing, why am I wearing a green green all-in-one? Can someone please tell me what all these uh, these uh, balls. table balls are on me? <laughs> yeah, we'll just put it in post-production. Don't worry about it, Patrick. I mean, we meet Rafi. We, we met Rafi at the back end of the last episode, and we both had no idea who she was or what her no. relevance was. I know. Although Gareth... Well, Gareth probably did, because he's probably read the comics. He didn't spoil it for me, because he didn't tell me. He spoiled it for me. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well done, Gareth. Yeah, thank you. Big shout-out. That's another, another one. five quid you owe us. Yeah, he did. I was watching. He went, you know who that is, don't you? And I was like, well, I'd like to know. And I wasn't asking him that question, so he proceeded to tell me. He's like, yeah, he's the uh, she's the XO who served with him on his previous ship after Enterprise. Oh, thanks for that, anyway. And I went, have you been watching? He went, yeah. But apparently he reads a lot of these fan sites and things. Right. Basically, he's kind of told me. Well, it was clear from the way that Picard was reluctant to contact her, there was some bad blood. We had no idea why. We no. now do. So what it looks like they're doing is they're kind of answering some of the things along the way, which is great. We don't end up with loads of questions being asked. We know what happened after he resigned. She got the sack. <laughs> She's really harsh. A little bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that they would have done that. I thought she might... Actually, when she got the call, I was thinking, oh, maybe she's been promoted and she's going, oh, no, this isn't good, is it? Or she's been told which side of the fence do you stand on? Yeah. Are you going to cooperate or are you with him? Okay, yeah, she wasn't even given the opportunity. No, she um, was just sacked. Yeah, done. Which, again, we don't know the full details, uh, but we're assuming... I just don't know. <laughs> if, if she's helping with the evacuation process, I don't quite get why they need to sack her. I think it's probably the closeness, maybe, to the fact that they don't want to have maybe cleaning house. He's obviously tendered his resignation because he doesn't agree, and he, she's thinking, well, that's his XO with his previous crew. They've always been quite supportive of him. He's got quite a way with words. He's very diplomatic. Maybe they've gone, just like cut them both out, and that way they can just bring in new people. And we see from sort of the current day scene that her life very much goes to shit which is why she bears the bad blood. Do you know what? There's a part of me, I don't know whether part of me that feels that that's a bit harsh on on Picard because her getting sacked from Starfleet doesn't necessarily mean she can't go off and do other things. And his resignation, I'm sure when he tendered his resignation, it wasn't with the view of knowing they were going to sack every single person that was underneath him. So it's a bit harsh to go, this is your fault because you've resigned on a point of principle. Yeah, I I think that's a little bit unfair. If you decide to stand by your principles, that shouldn't affect other people. I don't think they should have done that. That's a bit bad. But then also, she shouldn't take it out on him because he's always stood for the people who were marginalised and, you know, kind of neglected or whatever. I think I think it's a bit harsh that she got the sack. Also a bit harsh that she's kind of blaming him. And now she's properly wasted, isn't she? Well, I, th- I think she was a lost soul before then because anyone who refers to Picard as JL. Oh. I mean, what do we think about that? Well, I was taken aback the first time. And I thought, OK, he's trying to be trendy and hip and that. And I thought, well... Even even his home help refer to him as Admiral. Yeah. And they haven't served with him. They're ex-Telshiar. So for them to call him Admiral and be Romulans, the sworn, sworn enemy of the Federation, you can see the respect level. Even on the Enterprise, the only person who ever called Picard Jean-Luc was Beverly Crusher. Yeah. I think, from memory. I, I don't remember Riker calling no. him Jean-Luc. I certainly don't remember Troy calling him Jean-Luc. These were people who were very close Absolutely. to him. And even they didn't dare no. wade into the 
the personal. No. So to go JL. JL. I mean, I heard it. I, I ran it through my mind a little bit, and it was very quickly getting annoying. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't sit well at all. No. It, I think again, we've just got this uh, allegiance to, to Picard, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's like don't don't besmirch him. Don't disrespect him. It's anything that is negative towards our uh, idol, our our deity. We just immediately jump on the bandwagon, don't we? Well, Laris. I mean, Laris. First thing she called him was Admiral. There's there's guns whizzing and yeah. people dying all over the show, and she still refers to him as because just respect, admiral. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a title he's earned, albeit he's had to resign, but he's still an admiral. Rafi is going to be, and we we find this out as much as she plays silly buggers. We still find out she becomes a member of the new crew, indeed, of his ship. We're getting there, aren't we? We are. We're getting there. So th- this is number one. What are our initial impressions of Rafi? She's obviously got skills, both in terms of where she's got to in Starfleet. She must have had. She obviously investigates. She does some investigations for Picard or as a result of Picard coming. Well, she's inquisitive, isn't she? Yeah. Because she says no to him, takes his bottle of wine, (laughs) tells him to sling us up, pops on a little bit of an inhalator, which I thought was a bit bizarre, seeing as we've kind of, nobody smokes now in this society. Snake leaf. I wrote it down. Okay. It's the snake leaf herb. Okay. (laughs) So she's inhalating that, looking towards getting popcorn lung or Ivali. Or vaping. (laughs) I mean, you'd have thought vaping would have... Well, uh, smoking was outlawed in the original series. I know, and there's, like, major concerns about vaping in 2020. I've just written here, Ivali, which is basically the vitamin E acetate that's inhaled, which interferes with normal lung function. (laughs) That's today. Ah, yes, Dr. Latham. Thank you, I'm here. I am your EMH. (laughs) So, I I wrote that down. That's, like, today. And she's just popping out uh, a snake leaf one. And we're thinking, hang on, aren't we going back in time to the fact that we, we already got rid of the smoking in this wonderful smoke free society you're now inhalating or whatever it is yeah she's she's slipped down the pecking order mm. of contentment in life she's she's on a, a relatively sparse looking planet a rather rundown shack it's um, proper small that, isn't it smoking and drinking herself into it so they don't say i guess am i making an assumption that she's got some sort of a, an issue with drugs or alcohol i don't know whether they're saying both. she's an addict if uh, she likes a bit of wine she takes she takes the bottle she doesn't pour it into a glass does yeah. she she doesn't decanter it into a smaller cup <laughs> Yeah. For want for a better word. She just takes the bottle and then puffs one out. Clearly, we're not saying she's an addict, but she has some addiction. Well, she has some bad habits. Well, when the free cloud came up and the dice rolled out and she didn't look best pleased, it, again, there was a suggestion. At first, I thought it was because she was so hard up. She was using some free internet and it clocked out and that's why the free cloud came. And when she said she'd found Maddox... Mm. And it was free cloud. I'm thinking, ah, is that some sort of a gambling place? He was keen to go as she got some sort of debt. Well, that makes that makes sense because free cloud. I was thinking it was maybe it's free cloud as in a cloud space to store data, but yeah. that's clearly established later on in the episode that that's a place what you're saying has value in which case and in fairness to her she said i'm not part of your crew i'm not going with you i'm hitching a ride to go to free cloud perhaps she has uh, indirectly admitted that she's got business to sort out and it might not necessarily be something that would be (laughs) illegal or anything that john luke Sorry, anything that JL would want to get involved oh, in. Oh, no, don't you do it. <laughs> Spoils it. It's horrible, she, isn't she it? She only just gets away with it because she's just completely stoned. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, do we think she's going to be highly skilled but very troubled, troped? 
I think uh, she's going to be carrying some damage. She's already unhappy. Doesn't really want to be part of the crew. There's, there's obviously some ulterior motive, which we'll soon in the next eight episodes. Um, well, six episodes. Seven, seven episodes. Six. We're in episode three. Yeah, sorry. Next six, ten, yeah. six episodes, we'll hopefully, we'll see. Picard, um, pull her back to the light. Yeah, so there'll be some redemption probably along the way. You see, there was some parallels I noted along with the fact that there was the Federation being reluctant to help the Romulans. And we've, we've seen this before, if anyone remembers the Undiscovered Country, where the Klingons, although with Praxis kind of exploding with all the, with the overmining of Praxis, even the Klingons, despite the fact they needed the assistance, were fighting and blocking the assistance of Federation. Mm. So we've seen this happen before with you know with the Klingons. Because Rafi mentioned 14 years ago, going back to the original where JL quiz. <laughs> it's like the thing you see on the television. Available in JL stores. It is. It's not working for me. When Jean-Luc quits, she suggests that Starfleet may have had a hand in sabotaging or causing the Mars attack because there was many members of Starfleet who were very much against the rescue mission in the first place. Well, because the Armada was diminished. You know, we've had, well, you had, historically, the battle at Wolf 359. Mm. You had the Dominion War. Then you had the second battle, which is first contact. So you've got three wars in a space of three four years your ships aren't being built at the level that you'd that expect them to be yeah 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 and also don't forget now 14 years ago utopia planitia which is the shipyard for most of the ships is now exploded and is burning unless you've got other shipyards that we're not aware of which they probably will have you, you've just now diminished the capabilities of of building further it would make sense from a hierarchy to go hmm shall we help or shall we just keep ourselves safe with our five ships that we have left <laughs> That's probably why. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in Starfleet... And then we've got other things, haven't we, which I'm sure we'll go into about the reasons why Starfleet are a little bit reserved in their assistance. Because Starfleet historically have always been one for assistance. Mm. It doesn't matter who were with the Romulans. I mean, we helped the Romulans way back in All Good Things when they were suffering. It makes sense that we would do it again. So there's obviously something else going on. With the Raffi relationship, it could be easily assumed that Raffi has the upper hand that she's in charge of this relationship. Picard needs the ship. He needs the pilot. She has the answers to those questions. Very much dictated when, whether, if he was able to get those things. However, true to Jean-Luc Picard style I think he always held all the cards right from the very moment that he turned up and tweaked her interests with mentioning the fact that there's secret Romulan assassins on Earth mm. right the way through to he gave her enough information to start investigating, calls up halfway through while she's investigating to dump more information when she promptly says, I'm not interested. And he says, great, I'll leave you to it and get straight off yeah. again. She's now joined them on the ship to partake in whatever it is that John Luke's now doing. So Picard seems to have achieved everything he set out to do relatively with little pushback. He's a clever bloke. He knows what he's doing. He never he? goes into these things looking like he's not got an outcome. He, he, knows he always the knows the score, yeah. She might disrespect him with the abbreviation of his name, but he's still holding all those cards. Yeah. Just saying. Rafi Rizla. <laughs> now we meet, we do meet one of the characters that we have been familiar with. Is this where we jump to the next scene? Yeah, I'm, I'm jumping. No, but this is this is chronologically correct. So we, we oh, go well from... well me. We go from Vasquez Rocks, which is where her little hovel is. Yeah. To, to the cube. To the cube. And we see... Hugh. Now, he's looking a no, little... we see Hugh, not Hugh. Hugh, don't see Hugh. Or no, I, or no Hugh. not me. Hugh. To you. No, to... Not me. To Hugh. 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 Hey. <laughs> We're here all week. 
Yes. And he's looking like he's been to a well-man clinic 26 and a half years later, the last time we saw him in season three, probably. He looks like he's been pumping those um, sunbeds for the last 20 years and his skin's turned to bittered leather. That is what happens when you go from extremely white as a Borg and do the deborging. He's been deborged. Deborged. Yeah, it's uh, he's definitely looking older. He doesn't particularly look like Hugh. I mean, I don't know whether that's because he was really young, wasn't he? He was really young. He's growing up now. He's he's you know Borg man and boy or man and Borg. <laughs> but he's made he's made something of himself because he's like chief super in charge of Borg investigation thing. Well, I mean, has he? I mean, he was he was liberated very quickly. And now he's managed to spend the rest of his 26 and a half years back on a Borg cube, but not as a Borg. So has he? Has he made himself... He's in charge, isn't he? He's in charge of a Borg cube, independently to a single consciousness and and on a Borg cube. He could help Dave. He could help Dave in HR. There's an interesting question that arises from just him being there, because, of course, the Romulans are on there, and they seem to be on there dismantling the droids. They seem to be keeping some of the Romulan ones. Yes, they do. Getting rid of the non-Romulan ones. Naughty. So the Romulans are obviously there doing this job and they obviously have their interest and the people sort of in charge of the security and seemingly in charge of some of the investigations are Romulan and yet you've got Hugh who seems to be there in almost like a science capacity much the same way as Soji appears to be and they're there to study what happened or to study the effects of the dra- it's not clear is it as to what his role is on this cube and what the Romulans role is because they don't there seems to be a touch of friction because when Hugh turns up to see them yeah the Romulan guards aren't only happy no I mean this there's a bit of mystery with this which I'm not quite sure about how it's being allowed to happen there doesn't seem to be any oversight from the Federation no considering the fact that it's in Federation space and where it happened from the first contact second Borg battle well they seem quite relaxed that the Romulans are knocking around yeah. investigating the Borg, on their doorstep Borg cube. And, and basically they're seeing the name I quite love the XBs what do you think that means well, I thought that was X-Borgs, X-Borgs. yeah okay I, I quite like that it's it's another like like JL, isn't it? We live in a world where everyone can't use language. We just have to uh, abbreviate. The XBs are they seeing them as an asset, but also a threat. My concern is that as nobody set out some sort of formal agreement of oversight, so the Romulans who are expatriating Romulan Borgs back to being Romulans, and then all the ones that aren't are getting done whatever. No one seems bothered. Bear in mind, by the way, in episode two we mentioned that sixteen planets were unhappy about the involvement with what happened on Mars, and noting that we already know that many species were assimilated by the Borg, would it not make sense to have some sort of agreement saying, well, if you come across a Bolian Borg, for example, that we've seen, so it's canon, to let the Bolians know. They can come and get him. Come and get him, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they're just being dispatched. And then also, it's like, well, what are they doing with the technology? Are they doing it to enhance their own technological advancement? When he turns up with Soji to do the interview with Romda, the guard says, well, you're not able to do this unless you've got authorization yeah and he says well i'm in charge of this place and the guy has to sort of step aside but the guard one assumes knows who hugh is yeah so when he's saying you haven't got authorization he's referring to another form of power who clearly has an influence over what's going on on the queue and that's what's not quite clear yet who's doing what and why and what their roles are who's in charge who thinks they're in charge and who actually possibly is in charge don't appear to be abundantly clear at the moment do they do we think it's a shat badge <laughs> what <laughs> you're gonna have to change your pants <laughs>
What are they called? Vajish Vaj Shatters? Shabazz. 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 I, I don't like know. a magician you I, met? I wrote it phonetically on my last lot of notes and I haven't now. I, I just, I, I've got a mental block over it. Shabazz. Zavaj. 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 No, it's not that. Zapvaj. Zapvaj. Is it Shabaz. Shabaz. Like an hour. Oh my God. An hour of just saying the word. Shitvaj. I've seen a lot of shitvages. Do you think it's the Zat Vash? Well, I've got a cream for it, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's affecting my performance. Okay. See a doctor if it doesn't go in a couple of weeks. Narek's obviously part of that. He is, yeah. But nobody knows who he is or what he and does. And his sister. And his sister. So yeah. they're, they're obviously undercover. Are they there undercover under the scope of... Hugh and his gang doing all the research and all the work that they're doing. I think there's a lot of a lot of things happening here, which is you've got Telshaw, which we're clearly aware of, the Zat Vash, who are above but quite a secret cabal, and they're obviously entrenched in this, but we've also got the stuff that's going on with Command... Commodore. Commodore O, oh. whatever's going on with her. Now, that could be a link to, you know, we've kind of rumoured and theorised that Section 31 may well play a part in this. Could she well be... I mean, she's obviously Vulcan. Is she... I don't know, you know. I've never seen a Vulcan wearing sunglasses. Well, I don't know when that happened. <laughs> that looked weird. I think she had a sty. In fact, whilst we were watching that, we did have to stop and rewind to go back to listen to what Commodore O said because both of us were so taken aback A by the fact that Vulcan was wearing sunglasses and B the choice of sunglasses yeah it looked like she was a blues brother well it was with the obviously the pointy ears and the pointy up out eyebrows with some sort of almost pointy styled sunglasses there was just an awful lot of points going on Elton John would have been proud that um. <laughs> so we went, we had to go back, didn't we, and find out what it was. Dr. Gerati. She was obviously just listening to music, wasn't she, when she arrived? With the biggest AirPod headphones ever. We're not sure why she's wearing glasses, which is another mystery. There's several things happening where I don't know whether she is Vulcan secret police or that she's Section 31, but she seems to be quite interested in what's going on. Then you've got the D Talshiar and you've got the Jack Vash all working. There seems to be, again, as I say, I don't know why nobody in the Federation has gone, hello people, I think you need to let us on to look at our Borg people. I think it's a red herring with C- Commodore O. I Do think you? we're supposed to believe that she's a baddie in cahoots and I think she's not. I think there is whatever that lieutenant was who's the sister to Narek, oh, yeah. whatever her name is. She's obviously undercover and I wonder whether Commodore O is asking her to do things and obviously that's where the leak's coming out, which is the hit squad that went. I'm not 100% convinced Commodore O was in charge of or responsible for the hit squad that racked up at the Chateau to take out Picard. I just don't. I think it's too obvious. And I think we'll find that out when, if uh, storytelling of this type uh, takes its normal course, she will get shot and be dying and, uh, towards the end and will believe she's a baddie, at which point we'll realise she's a goodie because she'll stand, she'll stand firm and take out remaining people knowing she's going to absolutely die so that they can all escape from whatever it is that they're escaping from, is my thoughts. Well, I take your theory, sir, and I raise you mine. Okay. So I'm just thinking it might be the fact that we're thinking the Romulans are the real baddies. 
Oh no, here we go. This is a double mega twist. It is. And in fact, all of these death squads that have been sent to chase after the twins, the twins are in fact the baddies. And, and it turns out that this thing that we're looking at with the Romulans and the Telshia and everything are in fact doing their best to protect. Yeah, but that makes no sense because Daj has been killed by the people Romulans. that you're saying she's been sent by. Well, no, but they're saying that the, the Romulans have sent this, these death squads to kill and she's they've killed one yeah. successfully. They're trying to get the other one. Oh, I see. So you're saying that they're the baddies who are going to cut the destroyers, they call them. Yeah, yeah. So they're the major so problem in the Romulans. Bear in mind, it's been it's ordained, hasn't it? I've kind of jumped there, which doesn't make any sense to anyone listening, but we'll explain this. So we kind of... One of the liberated drones, Soji visits. Yeah. Doing these kind of mental tests. Well, they look... It's It has a mental asylum feel it to does. it, doesn't it? It looks like they've been disconnected from the Borg community. Yeah. From the, the hive mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but have remained conscious and but are kind of stuck between the two worlds almost. So they're kind of being retrained, I suppose, with the basal, basic mental skills. We find one who Soji speaks to. Ramda. Is Ramda, who is basically a former anthropologist and she specialised in what humans might call mythology. She is talking to her and obviously along the course of the conversation the destroyer comes up. She's doing these cards aren't they? A bit like tarot cards. I did make a note that they're referred to as mandala which is a generic term given to a geometric configuration of symbols. Got you. It means nothing to you and I so just as a random explanation tarot cards and basically they are clearly describing the future and the word destroyer comes up so what my theory is these R- death R- Ronda predict the future using Pokemon cards well not quite Pokemon <laughs> it's a good mental thing isn't it trying to hunt down a Pokemon on a you got to catch cube. them all yeah you're going to catch them all <laughs> <laughs> She then mentions a destroyer. But my theory with that is, are the Romulans aware of this? Well, they seem to be, because every Borg in that... uh, Sorry, every Romulan who was a Borg in that room was instantly aware. Yeah, that's my theory, that actually the villain in all this could well be the twins. I don't know, we'll see. I mean, we're still early days. It's taken us three episodes to, uh, you know, find a team. It's tricky, isn't it? I don't think I fully understood, and I'd be interested to watch that episode again, because I don't feel I quite understood... I was able to digest what Romda was telling us. I feel it's quite significant for understanding where we're going from this point on. I know they've suggested that the twins are the destroyers. We don't know what that means. We know that the <laughs> Javash... <laughs> I dare you to say that without giggling. <laughs> it's impossible. Absolutely impossible. I'm not even going to try and do it for the benefit of an edit. <laughs> that is what, as good as it's going to yeah. get. They are inherently distrusting of AI yeah. and synthetics. And so it does make sense that they would assume anything that is such an advanced form of artificial intelligence would be seen as a destroyer. So I don't buy into the the suggestion that they are the end of the world type doomsday or that they are baddies as such. I think the belief systems of people who would see that would create an environment where they become the bad guys by virtue of either trying to kill something they don't fully understand or they don't understand or in the position of a Starfleet they just want to destroy something because it represents a bigger threat to their utopian society. I mean in the narrative of this in fact the synths are the big bad because they've just 
14 years earlier killed tens of thousands of people so the two twins which in fact synths do pose a threat on that level the twin thing which kind of goes back to episode one what I was saying is it the Romulus and Remus things of Romulus you know the two brothers well is there a good one and a bad one and that's why I think when she's talking she's saying which one are you are you the one that dies so she knew she knew maybe she knows the one who dies is the good one and yeah. we've already seen that and so we know that but she the sister who's still alive is going hang on a minute what do you mean and so that's when she calls her mum and everything else because she, she hasn't been activated yet has no, she so that could be part of a bigger thing that people are if she's studying the mythology of things she must be aware of the twins and a destroyer clearly there's there's something established already that indicates that this is something that's been talked about before and then as you say with the other people reacting to the destroyer it's clearly something to establish the mythology. My theory is that she's the bad, and obviously, furthermore, she's a synth. Historically, they've just killed tens of thousands of people, and because people wouldn't know the difference between her and what I made a note of, the name they gave to these, the A500s, mm. which isn't a long road down south, currently maybe being made into an intelligent motorway. Maybe that's where the name comes from. <laughs> it was the intelligent motorway. Yeah, maybe because the A500's an annoying road. <laughs> He's uh, always having maintenance on it We don't really know where we're going with that one yet, do we? No, they're still early to tell But I mean, come on, episode four uh, We're hoping something's going to pop out <laughs> We also meet crew member number two And crew member number three And in four the, And four Well, alright, let's, let's deal with crew number four Who is Dr. Gerati So she's on board She quite specifically says I, I'm, I want in as she walks in on the attack on Picard and his gang good scene this I did like this one actually it was well again we've said this thing in the last two episodes you can tell that we're in a streaming channel delivery system of the, the series because this scene was quite an action packed one wasn't it yeah I was getting the kind of a John Wick feel to it and you're seeing you know full, full blast the hits aren't you well you saw a load of things which are quite cool we saw Jaban, is that his name? I'm terrible with these names. Shaban and Laris, you get to see them in full action. Oh, full, yeah. Using their uh, Tell Tell Shiar training. training skills, which is cool. Yep. They're badass. They are. So that was quite good. It shows why Picard would have perhaps wanted them around. Well, you can tell they've clearly, although they're, let's say they're retired, tell Shiar, you never forget your training. Because well, same, got with, same with Picard as well, because they've got strategic weapons. Yeah, hidden under tables hidden and bookshelves. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they've been, not that they've been expecting it, but they've made allowance for the fact that this could be an outcome. Obviously, there's guns being hidden everywhere, and obviously they've got a bit of a, a showdown. I thought that was a good little scene. It I like the action stuff. And we said at one point, <laughs> I think you said, uh, it doesn't look like they use the the stun setting anymore yeah. which of course laris almost instantly says well there is no stun setting on the romulan gun yeah which is cool yeah. what we didn't know is whether or not the guns that they were using from hidden underneath the desk were set to stun or set to kill and actually it turns out very in very picard style they were set to stun yeah because then they could question one of question the yeah. captain uh, captured attackers and in fairness uh, Picard again manages to get more information out of the guy than I thought he was going to get by offering to free them and, and although the guy didn't seem to want that as an option because he promptly killed himself and bit down on the old uh, acid bit acid down on the acid and then spat the, the, the dirty bastards aren't yeah, they because yeah. they seem to love spitting on people yeah which is kind of a 
a, a particularly horrible habit to do. So they, they keep on spitting acid and Jaban just manages to... Take his coat off. Yeah, take his coat off, which is cool. Yeah. Because we didn't want him dying. Not not in episode three. Did <laughs> done well. No. So that was quite... Crack. I enjoyed that scene. You know, again, it, you want stuff that moves the plot on a bit more and gives the viewer something to sort of buy into. You know, the, the, the action scenes. I mean, we've seen in canon the huge battle scenes. People will always remember the, the, the battle scenes where in Wolf 359, you've got that, and the other um, scenes where there's been huge space battles and things like that. You don't really, you didn't really see it much in terms of the phaser scenes in the previous ones were a little bit like watching stormtroopers trying to shoot at people. They just kept hitting bulkheads and, and ricocheting off turbo lifts, whereas these are these are clearly making contact shoots to kill yeah i thought it was really good because we got to see the characters we got to see laris and jaban using the skills we get another reminder that jean luc is no spring chicken anymore yeah because uh, he was about as useful as a chocolate teapot for yeah. most of that whole fight oh they took them on big time didn't they they didn't get any information out of the guy particularly i mean they did they successfully got more information than i thought they were going to get but we actually get the same information don't we from the the borg scene where we they're do. talking to ronda so it was essentially us and them getting the same information at the same time but from different sources yeah uh, so it didn't particularly give us any additional information it was a good uh, introduction for dr Girati to come and get on board with the whole mission yeah um, we mentioned now i think it was you who mentioned in the last episode that you weren't sure whether she wasn't a synthetic or whether she was to be trusted because of course it's i know she said oh you know the commodore oh <laughs> O, oh, Commodore O has. Uh, was it? Was it Commodore O? Oh, <laughs> with then sunglasses on, perhaps. Maybe it's maybe it's ooh, <laughs> so tasty. Com- so Commodore O, maybe when because she says she asked Doctor Gerati, who tells her everything except she left a little bit out mm. that she was going with them, and on the back of that, there seems to have been an attack on Picard. I don't believe Captain O necessarily was responsible for that but do the other flip side of that is if you do think that the commodore might be in on the get uh, on the gig or even if there is another if the chatfage are in on this <laughs> which they clearly are do we think dr gerati might be a spy because she can tell them that the commodore asked but she didn't say the commodore alternatively because we didn't see that conversation did we no. could have said why don't you uh join his gang and be sending us information on what he's up to. Could be kind of tens in all of this, because I'm unsure whether she will be a double agent. And Gerati's... See, Gerati might say to Picard to gain his trust that, oh, Commodore, oh, (laughs) told me about you, and I'm coming to tell you that she had this conversation. And then Picard says, oh, thank you very much, that's very kind of you. And then she shoots someone who she wasn't aiming for, and basically then that kind of reinforces that Picard thinks she's a goodie. And then she he goes, can I, can, I, can I join your crew? And he says, yes, make it so. And so she goes, thank you very much. And then she's on a ship and I reckon we'll get to episode 10. And secretly she's been sending subspace messages to people who in fact could be Commodore. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or one of those things, because obviously there's that many players in this 
um, in this season of ten. <laughs> yes, it isn't. It's like a Hitchcock, is it? Because it is. Well, you said uh, episode one, Dixon Hill. It's it's a Dixon Hill novel, isn't it? He's kind of investigating what's going on. We've got all these potential villains. And we don't know who it is. We've got Doctor Gerati who's on board, and we're not convinced whether she is or is not a goodie slash baddie. So watch this space. Yeah, we uh, do meet. Well, I mean, listeners. Why not message us? Let us, because I've got to do the housekeeping bit in the middle uh, at the beginning, so let's do it now. Because if you do have any thoughts or any theories, love to hear them. Absolutely. You can email us at Picard Talk, that's P-I-C-H-A-R-D-T-A-L-K at thepodstation.co.uk. Or you can uh, drop us a message or a comment on our social media or on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Picard Talk. Do all that stuff. Yeah. Let's hear your thoughts. Yeah. Tell us tell whether it. we're wrong. Absolutely. And tell us if you think we're right or what you think is, you've uh, identified something we haven't seen. Well, we'd love better ideas because then we can talk about them, can't we? Well, yeah. I mean, between between episodes, you know, we do these weekly. Why not um, give us a message and we can drop it in on the show and uh, give you a shout out. Absolutely. Other than Gareth, because Gareth's on every episode so far, and he owes us about £2 million in royalties. <laughs> we meet. We mentioned before crew numbers two and three, so we've got Rafi, we've got to Dr. Gerati. We have. Uh, but we also now get the captain of the ship that they're on, Captain Rios. Yes, Captain Rios, who is the, the captain of the heavy cruiser USS Ibnin Majid, which was named, if you didn't know, in any history buffs, named after the legendary 15th century Arabian sailor and navigator. Is that what it is? Correct. I didn't even know it was called that. Um, so, how do we feel about these characters? Because he feels like a dead tropey, dead obvious, on the nose character. He's a good... He, he's like Han Solo, isn't he? He's a bit of a rogue. He's kind of your your um, swashbuckling rogue that you'd see on a... Swashbuckling a, ladies man. Yeah, I've got a kind of bit of shrapnel in my shoulder. Bit of an easter egg there, which I'll talk about later. Got a bit of shrapnel in my shoulder. I think I'll just get some synthale, throw it over it. The I ladies love me. Oh, yes. The fellas love me. Um, I love me. I love me. All I'll smoke them. a cigar. Hate, hate I hate any sort of authority, but by the same token, I kind of want to be a part of that authority. He, he, he fails a bit on the nose at the minute, so I'm sincerely hoping there's an element of his character which will make me endear him a bit, because at the moment he feels just like another tick box rebellion. Yeah. Well, like the Marquis. Yeah. You know, you kind of, when you saw Voyager, Voyager was made up of like a ragtag band of people. It's like employing the A-team to go on a mission isn't it you've got all these ex-special forces who are being chased by the government he's just another one of those you've you've got your unsure whether they're a spy Gerati you've got the carrying lots of burden baggage addiction potentially with Rafi and now we've got our Rios captain who we're only using really because he's got a ship who is a bit of we don't even know how he got he's the a Star Trek, he's a Starfleet wannabe which yeah, yeah. it seems or he was part of Starfleet and I think he was ex I think he is yeah. we're going to probably find a lot of these people are ex Starfleet and they've had a like them um, Tom Paris yeah in Voyager had a bit of a run in with, with authority yeah he just felt a, a cross between Hellboy and every other and Han Solo yeah that's kind of how he feels. Anyone, yeah. So he, he doesn't feel quite distinct. Whereas Rafi is someone who I feel is a bit more of a unique character. Yeah. Well, um, she's done. She's done the work. She was an XO of a ship. She's done the the work. Whether it be obviously getting the sack, but she's been through all the training and everything else. So we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. He has a sidekick. 
Another Side, Irish he has, sidekick. He has sidekicks. Yeah. He, this is another Easter egg I picked up on. Go on. Well, I'll, I'll do them all at the end, but we'll oh, right, okay. talk yeah, about sorry. it. Yeah, um, so uh, he's got an EMH. He has. So, well, several. Oh, was he? Well, the, the the Irish one. Oh, oh, oh. So were they different people? Yeah. Ah. He's getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> so there's an English one who meets and greets. Who's the uh, medical emergency hologram. Okay. And then there is the Irish one who sounds like... Because he mentioned about there's no need for flight courses or... That's the emergency, emergency navigation hologram. So that's that's who he is. Okay, so... So the American one is the main guy. No, he was English. The first no, one was no, English. Yeah, the second one was Irish. Yeah, but that's right. But they're the, I'm saying the main one, Captain Rios, is American. I don't know. I thought he was Latino. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, his name is, but I thought he was doing an American accent. I don't know. To be know. fair, his Irish accent was a bit ropey. <laughs> Do, do they all look like him? Is it is it me? Are they him? Yeah. But like hologram versions. They've, they've basically been created in his image. Right. Okay. Ones- well, I couldn't tell. Her, you know, all, all good looking fellas quite often look the same. <laughs> I was a bit like that. I was like, well, maybe you like sort of going, oh, I was as like, you look watching I, him. I couldn't tell whether they were the same person, but they look very familiar. I think the two. That makes sense. The, the English one, who's the medical emergency hologram looks the same as the Irish one, who's the navigation emergency navigation hologram. Yeah. And he, whether it be Latino or American, slightly different. Yeah. Because that would make sense, because he's getting older. They would not get older. Ah, yeah, okay. There will be a subtle nuance to the way they look. A few more grey hairs with the real one. Yeah, and they will be both the same, and maybe even tweaked a little bit, so one is... Kind of, well, for the for the benefit of the viewer, I would imagine one will be go. Ah, that's the medical one, and oh yeah, there's a navigation one that we get to see a development in that technology that we saw in Voyager. And it's interesting with those characters because we think back to Voyager and the Doctor, and one of the key things that the Doctor had, in fact, it was one of the first demands he made, was that he had the power to switch himself on and off because he was quite offended by the fact that other people would make him disappear when it suited them, and it was against his his rights as a sentient being, which quite right. Captain Rios obviously has them around. The question is, and I guess we'll see this over the course of time, whether he views them more as tools, but the same way as a spanner or a hammer, where they're there to serve a purpose and beyond that purpose, they are just a a tool or whether there is a a relationship element with them where he views them as more than just that, as in, in the same way as the Voyager crew came to view the doctor has been more than just a hologram doctor but he switches them off without a second thought well, twice there is that isn't it i think from what i saw is they kind of keep him on his toes and i suppose if you're on the ship on your own um, you know it's probably it's why reason why people buy echo dots you know if you're on, if you're on your own you've got no mates you just talk to the dot you just talk to the dot and the dot ain't listening he's probably got two of these things and he can turn them off when he wants his own time but I get the impression that they're there to provide a bit of wisdom support and everything else I mean I think it's a nice little callback I, I got it from this episode there was a lot of callbacks uh, again to Picard and his history and, and what's been set in canon I hope we don't spend the whole season doing just callbacks well it does my head I hate when people when, when conversations start with oh you remember 10 years ago it's like uh, pfft, here we go this is yeah. the this is, this is the gap filling bit so they did it with with Captain Rios where he goes oh don't you remember 10 years ago you you had a captain you looked up to at which point we're going right okay we're going to find out why he's damaged or why he left Starfleet or we're going to find out the beginning of the reason and it, it seems that a former captain who I presume was either his father 
or mother or someone he looked up to got killed was it his fault that be just as tropey as he is so far in yeah. that he was at fault or he blames himself because he could have done something or perhaps should have done something or should have listened to his inner thoughts and, and stayed true to who he was at which point he would have saved them you know all of those usual things and as a result of their death he became but a mere shadow of the person he could have been and started smoking cigars on his own shit I agree I think I think you can lose another sec- a chunk of the episode by reminiscing about something that the viewer hasn't seen now I know to kind of give exposition to stuff you you need to talk about stuff that the viewer hasn't seen but bearing in mind we've had almost 30 years of gap you can't shoehorn that into a 10 episode run so they're gonna have to be careful on how they balance by all means tell me rios's story but tell me all of rios's story don't tell me a tiny useless part of it don't go oh do you remember 10 years ago when that guy died full stop and then we leave it there it's like Either tell me what that was, who they were, why it was important and why it had the effects on him. Or don't tell me any of it. If when Picard and Rios were sitting at the control panel and Picard goes, I can smell it on you, you, you starfleet through and through, he could have done a, one of those shrugs of the shoulder or a bit of a, a grumble or muttered something under his breath or he could have said something that just gave that inclination that there's something in the in his background that either stopped him or made him change paths well he could have said i've got the chat badge and that's the smell in which case that would have been solved then wouldn't it we can move <laughs> forward can someone light up a match <laughs> uh, yeah. and then it'd be like uh, get thrusters to fall we need to get out of this place we do kind of find that um, the ship is in a bit of a mystery doesn't have a bit of a backstory to it because apparently we find out that the, the, the ship's been in a calamity and as such has had all of the data files scrubbed from Starfleet Record. Oh, well, I didn't know all that. Where did you get all that information? What he says. Is that what he says? Yeah, he says that the, the um, all the data files have been deleted and so there's no there's no record of it. Right. Because don't forget, that's a USS ship. No, I know, but I, I, I knew it was an unregistered or... Because of the secretly deleted files. Right. He may well have some skills. Yeah. Because well, also, sure he does. also, where's his crew? Apart from the two people that kind of keep him in line. And everybody knows the greatest pilot in the galaxy, don't they, who just so happens to be doing diddly squat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is available for secret missions. Yeah. She tells me, you're the best. It's like, God, how many people are the best? Because I thought Tom Paris was the best. Well, yeah. And he's presumably still alive. Or Riker. Riker was always the best pilot. Yeah. Or Data was, no. En- Ensign Rowe. Ensign Rowe. She always thought she was the best. Yeah. So there's lots of people who are the best. Rios has got quite a lot to do to make me grow with the character because the minute he just feels very on the nose. A bit two-dimensional at the moment. A bit yeah. classic damage. Bear in mind, let can kind of confirm this. When we've already established that the ships that Starfleet have are limited and this one... It's kind of flying around quite locally to planet Earth. Well, it, it's not just locally. It's, it's, it's right by... It's literally in Federation they've space. They've parked it. Yeah, right in front of the gate. They might as well just parked it on the front door... With of, an arrow. ...of the Federation's main building. <laughs> With a big, huge neon arrow going, this, this is your ship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if I turned up outside your house in your car, would you know it was your car? Yeah. Okay. When the Federation are going, we can't really help anyone because we've got no ships left. And he's, and he's going... <clears throat> Um, we've scrubbed this one from the data files. It has the registration USS. So, but ignore that. That's not your ship. 
Well, at least the Earth's defence systems are all working perfectly fine because they just let him obviously in. scanned and traced the fact that a off-record USS ship no. is hovering in the orbit of yeah. Earth. This is not the ship you're looking for. <laughs> this crew's gone, so he's doing everything. So Dave's happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, just to fill you in, guys, on our Disco Fever Star Trek Discovery podcast, Dave is the member of the crew who seems to do everything because one of the observations we've made of the Star Trek Discovery is there's an awful lot of roles and positions that don't seem to be filled. And we reckon there's a guy called Dave and a member of the staff of the crew called Dave who does all of these roles. Yeah, we've just you'll, you'll watch it. You'll pick it up. The fact that Medical Bay has one person in it. It's like going to the local hospital and finding one person. Maybe we've just met Dave. Maybe the EMH. Ah, okay. On Rios's ship is Dave. The precast is the Dave. Is Dave from the past? It's Dave. 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 So they've made him a hologram. They made him a hologram. They're like, listen, Dave can do so much stuff. Yeah, let's make him. Let's turn him into a hologram that can do all Dave stuff. That makes perfect sense because we haven't actually got a character visual of Dave, have we? So that could be him. Congratulations, Dave. You've made it into Picard talk. Yes, well done. So you and Gareth are in our Hall of Fame. <laughs> Woohoo! I think there's going to be a bit of mystery around the ship there, particularly the fact that it's missing the crew and whatever happened with the calamity that he refers to, uh, like a Mary Celeste situation. We've got another story plot line. I I can see what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to, we're in episode three, they're trying to build character backgrounds. We feel that we can invest in these people. The problem with that, as we've seen in other shows that we've talked about and and movies we've talked about on our other show, which is called... A Film Policy. Great. Tune in, boys and girls. You'll like it. Not a lot, but you'll like it. (laughs) I could have done the Jimmy Savile one, but I won't. No. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of tapping in to try and create the background of all these characters that people are going to go, oh, great. And don't forget, merchandising, people are going to start, because we've got the new uniform, people are going to start buying that. We saw it with Mandalorian. Which one, though? I, well, I, hang on. I, I go I, for the 14 I, years I old would, one. I would, because I quite like them. Yeah. Nice design. I did, I, I did like the current day, as in when... Picard went to go see the Admiral and she had sort of the red undercloth yes, one. I, yeah. I liked that one. I hate the current Commodore one, which seems, you know, with a big collar. Yeah. The mahusive collar. Yeah. Hate that. No. Well, I mean, I think, I think he went, I think he had shat badge and he was touching cloth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, no, I would, I would get the 14 year old, which makes no sense at all. Like your, your uniforms from 14 years ago are better than they are today and less, less creatively designed. <laughs> There's less intricacy to them than they were 14 years ago. Maybe due to the fact that they've got those ships left, there's more people available for employment, and and they just keep making just just get them on the get them on the uniforms. Maybe they designed the 14 year old one first because sometimes this happens to me. You design something and it's really really good, but then you have to design a second thing, and you just can't get that second thing to be quite as good as the yeah. first thing. Agreed. Like you've used all your creative your, your juice, creative juices, and it's like well. Should I swap them? Because do I want the better one to be? Yeah. But, yeah. Clearly, they decided against that. And just go plain. Yeah. Just All they've done is angled. They've, they've just angled what yeah, they had I'm, before. I'm, uh, the more I see the most recent version, it's a bit lazy, the less impressed I am with it. Whereas yeah. that 14 year old one, I, re- I thought that really good. That one, I always liked 
the first contact one. Yeah. I like the great... The uniform I did like, which is on the series Enterprise. The jumpsuits. The, yeah, the one that the military... They brought the military on, didn't they? And I think the, when they were going uh, with the, Zin, the Zindi. Yes. So when they were fighting the Zindi, they wep- well, weaponized Enterprise, season three, the Mako. That's I always it. I always get them mixed it up with like the marquee. It was like special forces, Yeah, wasn't it's it? an acronym for something, but um, I quite liked... Those were like camouflage, but it was nice, just like this. And then, the, and as I say, I like the, the first contact one that they used with the grey padded quilted top and that and then the undershirt which was good and then he had the waistcoat as well mm. which I quite liked yeah so I don't know we'll, we'll have to see where this one goes my concerns remain still that we've got six episodes left we've kind of only just got a crew together I mean there's been no sign of Riker or Seven of Nine yet. Yeah, or Deanna Troy. And the longer it goes without us seeing those characters, the more I think that their involvement in the trailer was more to get us in, inspired by the potential yeah. and that it's going to be maybe a couple of scenes or a single episode or a, even a mere fraction of one of the episodes where we see them almost as a cameo. Yeah. And that that is quite literally... Because we've assumed that Seven of Nine is probably going to become part of the crew. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I got that impression. See, I was I was quite excited when I was thinking, oh, maybe he's going to get all these people from, you know, who have been spattered around the Star Trek canon. And you've got Seven of Nine, you've got Hugh, and you've got... Uh, I'll bring back Riker. And I think they'll be on a ship. I yeah. thought that'd be quite cool. It seems now, because obviously next week's um, is going to be episode four, they're going to go, oh, you know, I'm just going to go into uh, future Asda and I'll be walking past Seven and Nine working in the uh, frozen food section. And you go, all right, yeah, you're all right. Yeah, I've been dissimulated. And then you bump into retired Admiral Riker because obviously he went on to the Titan, didn't he? He he left to command the Titan. Who did? Riker. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, he was in charge of the Enterprise then. Not sure. But he went, his his next command was the Titan. Ah. The longer this goes on, the more I feel like those characters that we were quite excited about seeing are going to be more a short cameo. They're not going to have a huge involvement in the long-term storyline, which I guess isn't necessarily a bad thing. But they seem to, when they showed the trailer, they seem to hang a lot on. Yeah, it's deceiving. I think what they've done is they've got a pile of middle-aged fans excited who've now left their wives and husbands to spend time just focusing on Picard. Because let's be honest, it's just geek. It's, it's just geek kingdom, isn't it? It is. All these people are going to be, it's on again, yay! And then they go, well, where, where's Riker? Yeah. I mean, Riker grew on me, actually, like his beard in season three. <laughs> He was he was alright, wasn't he? He's great. Do you remember do you remember when we went to see um Patrick Stewart doing his talk and he was with his son who yes. started the episode and he was saying that one of the things that he was kind of sought after for was when he was doing his roles, he's obviously a classically trained actor and was able to do like minutes and minutes of monologues and stuff and he was saying that one of the worst members of the cast was Riker, Jonathan Frakes, who didn't know any of his lines and they would do take after take and he would do one take probably of a five minute dialogue and then Riker would be like five five words and not get it right and he was renowned for being quite frustrated on set because these, these American actors didn't know their lines. <laughs> Number one, was a good character. He is, but it doesn't look like we're going to see an awful lot of them. No. It seems that Riker will get involved when the shit truly hits the fan at some point in the next couple of episodes. Picard will either get someone killed or someone injured or his theory will be proven wrong or worse still, it'll be a bigger issue than he ever anticipated. And yeah. he has to turn for a little bit of advice from Riker to try and get himself out of the shit. 
that feels like the full extent of Riker's involvement. And seven of nine, I almost suspect, will accidentally bump into her while he's on one of these planets. Next week clip that they show at the end shows that they're still collecting crew members. Mm. And it wouldn't surprise me if Seven of Nine isn't involved in helping get a crew member, but doesn't necessarily become a crew member herself. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it depends on the wage bill, doesn't it? Yeah. Amazon might throw a bit more money and say you can stay on a couple of episodes. Because we saw, in the, again, in the trailer, Data. Yeah. He had about 10 seconds worth of airtime. <laughs> get your check at the end of the day, Data. Go buy some more pies. Get some more pies, yeah, because you just cost us $2 million in CGI editing. <laughs> That's why we're having to drag out the uh, crew at reconnaissance over four episodes, because we would have liked to have done it in one and used the rest of the budget to make a fantastic nine episodes of special effects. Yeah. And also it's why one of our characters is doing three parts. Because <laughs> <laughs> that saves us a couple of a t- couple of new people. Can you do an Irish accent? Well, it's passable. So, so yes. moving on, yes. we digressed a little bit. We obviously see the secret lieutenant as the Romulan, which came as zero surprise. Well, we kind of got that impression last week, didn't we, that she was yeah. going to be... Which she's been... Well, Gareth actually once again shared this little tidbit with us, which was that she had been altered... And he then reminded us both, as avid Star Trek fans, that that's been done before. <laughs> Thanks, Gareth. Appreciate the uh, heads up. I wouldn't have known that from my years of being a Star Trek fan, which is over 25 years. So he told us that you know, you'd know be made to look human through wonderful powers of technology. So we really we see her in her normal state as a Romulan with her brother. And there's a little bit of an awkward moment. Well, I was just about to say, the scene with her and her brother served zero purpose whatsoever because he mentions in her Soji's ear that he thinks he loves her. And anyone who watched the last episode will probably think, ah, he's just trying to work in a bit more emotionally close to her because he's trying to get in and to do whatever it is they're trying to do. She bumps into him and almost reminds us that he's getting closer to her for this very purpose. But in the process of doing this, seem to have one of those always incredibly awkward and uncomfortable scenes where a brother and a sister, who are both good-looking people, both dressed rather sexily, start whispering rather erotically into each other's ears. They were quite close as well. And getting awfully in each other's space. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, do you know what? That just doesn't fit comfortably with me at all. Just Take a step back, both of you. Yeah. Um, you can have the same conversation, but not necessarily that close. A lot not, touching tongues. Not, and not talking sensually into each other's ears. I can smell her on you. It's very carnal. It smells like peanut butter. It's like, sister, back the fuck off, please. Your nose is in my eye. <laughs> Your ears are up my nose. They're very hairy. I'm pointy. So is your ear. <laughs> So yeah, that that was a weird scene. I don't really buy into did, that did it make character any, did it, at all. Did it give you any value to you apart from being a bit awkward and feeling a bit weirded out by it all? Well, no. And she's she at the moment she's another character that hasn't really fit in anywhere. She is the stereotypical evil Romulan who's disguised as a human Starfleet officer who's in love with a brother who's yeah, and has either is playing both sides or acting as a spy from the Romulan side unbeknownst to the Commodore or is acting as a spy for the Commodore 
and helping staff that achieve equal, I don't know, status. Status as doing, being up to no good. And Commander and, O's on someone else's side, and she now a double agent. It's just exhausting. She seems to serve no purpose other than being the pawn in the middle of all of this. Yeah. And I did like, whilst you were watching this awkward incestuous relationship develop I was kind of behind the scenes watching what I thought first it was like a Harry Potter thing with the books flying behind them and then the Ghostbusters library scene with the thing the books kind of going between Borg data crumbs I was watching that mostly because I was kind of thinking well does this serve any purpose it's not really beneficial to the story if you're a Telshar and you're not you're the Zadvash or whatever you're going to do what anyone would do and be an infiltrator clearly the girl serves a purpose whatever the purpose is we don't know what that is at this moment in time but whatever the purpose is he's just infiltrating her and episode one will clearly show you how far he infiltrated her um, <laughs> episode two i think you'll find oh is it right yeah yeah they're just playing a part and we'll see how it goes <laughs> before we give our scores on that on that episode have we done everything Apart from the last bit, where clearly, again, a little bit tropey and expected, we, which is also one of my Easter eggs, but we'll cover that in a bit. We get him on the ship, all of the crew established for now, and then he does the classic thing, doesn't he, at the end of the episode, which is engage. Well, there was a moment before when he said, take a seat, and Picard goes to walk towards the captain's chair, which was the closest chair and quite clearly the most comfortable, but he stops himself and he does. sits in the... I mean, we've seen that happen before with various shows where clearly people want to sit in the captain's chairs and don't. There was a good, I mean, the scene where he's introduced to Rios, there's a few um, decent Easter eggs in that, which I'll go on to next. Okay. Was there anything else that we've missed, you think, that we haven't covered? I don't think so. I mean, this was quite a, a kind of whistle-stop tour episode, I felt. It was, and again, I, th- I think that's my issue. It's It was my issue with the Discovery episodes as well, where 40 minutes doesn't feel like it's quite long enough. Just stick an extra 10 minutes on there and you're not rushing things. And if you cut out what I feel, and I appreciate there will be people out there who disagree, and if you do, it's at Picard Talk. There's scenes that could have been cut out, there's you know the 30 seconds at the beginning where we're rehashing the mars section you've got the brother sister weird unnecessary scene because they didn't move the storyline forward no. didn't tell us anything we don't need to know so if you cut those couple of scenes that's an extra minute or two where we could have just stretched out one of those scenes a little bit more or dare i say it introduced another crew member so that we're not going to get into episode eight and have collected our crew. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying to you, wasn't it? I hope we don't get to episode 10 just having established we've got a crew now. The nerd section. Warning! Warning! Nerd alert! So this week, as as I said at the beginning of the show, I felt there was a lot of callbacks to Picard and Star Trek canon. Some decent ones, as discussed, see Hugh. No, you don't see me. Hugh. You see Hugh. (laughs) Me? No, Hugh. Hugh. No, not me, Hugh. Me? What? (laughs) (laughs) Never gets old. Yeah, we get to see Hugh, who was a character we saw in Next Generation. And the interesting thing is, obviously, they had the choice. This is, again, we've talked about in other shows, where the difference between those shows is that they posed a dilemma. And the viewer was along with that journey and going, mm, okay, what would you do in this situation? And in, in that particular episode, Hugh had was some of the, uh, was a Borg, obviously, that was on the, on the ship. And they were given the choice whether to upload a virus or separate him from the collective and give him some sort of independence from that. So they would have wiped out the Borg at that point. Uh, and they chose, rightly, I think. JL. JL. Mm, did he? Let's just say 
Captain Picard because it's far more respectful. They chose the course, which was that they would um, offer him to stay on the Enterprise. So again, I was quite nice to see that Hugh, I mean, even though it was 25 years ago over, that he's now back into this. I mean, he's been waiting for that phone call, hasn't he? <laughs> he looks like he's been waiting for that phone call. Yeah. It looks like he's had a hard 25 years. Well, he created his own little army, didn't he? He did. Well, he did, because outside of that, that's when Data's brother Law found him. Yeah. And then Law talked to the Borg, which basically Red took him on to a different path. And then eventually the crew came across Hugh and then found Hugh and the Borg to stop Law. A lot of stuff in his story there. So it's quite nice we see him again, because obviously he came the leader of the Free Borg. So it's nice that he's back into this overseeing the release of Borg being detached from the collective. We talked about Picard's uh, resignation, the decision for him to stand up for what was what was right. And this, again, was just a call back to things we've seen before in terms of how uh, he had a conversation with Resley Crusher in, in season five about the principles that the Federation's built upon. Uh, and one of the things he said to him was, the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to tell the truth. We can see that Starfleet is changing and Picard may be a relic in an old, dated system, but is staying by his principles. So I thought it was quite nice to see that, and obviously it's affected his relationship with Rafi, but he stuck with his principles. Sorry to cut across you there. I don't necessarily buy into the suggestion that he is outdated in his thoughts. It feels more like he's got an ideology that is more pure, but not necessarily practical. He's all well. He's always stood up for the the Federation stands for. Yeah, but there's there's black and white, and usually, but do you say he's rigid? Fall into grey. Yeah. What 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 I'm saying is, he obviously sees things a lot more black or white, and he obviously appreciates there's a grey in the middle, but tries to stay on either the keeping it black or white. And when when he approached the admiral to try and get the ship, it actually was quite well explained by her that their position wasn't one out of necessarily choice but out of necessity mm. that there wasn't the luxury of a black or white there was just grey and it had to be the grey end of the spectrum that best protected them and what they were trying to serve as opposed to the ideology of yes let's save them but we've got no ships and you know all those kind of things yeah I mean I think I suppose it comes down to a matter of perspective doesn't it yeah and when you see from episode 2 the explanation from Federation which is well 16 planets said we ain't gonna help one person saying well we are gonna help you up against the, the standards that are set in stone by the United Federation of Planets. Yeah. I can see that point, but we were always presented with a with a dilemma. And it was quite nice to see that Picard, although he's aged and is no longer still stands by those principles. Yeah. You know, always looking out for the, the weak person essentially. But the other thing I picked up on, which is kind of more of a musical Easter egg, was you know when he gets the ship at the end. Yeah. Do you notice the music, Star Trek music, kind of heightened? Like, no. To kind of mark. I need to watch it. I'm going to watch this again quite yeah. quickly. I mean, these are things as we're going, these really. These are things you don't notice but first time round. I noticed because the, the music kind of heightened and got a bit more dramatic, as if to mark his uh, return to the death of the ship. We Obviously, as we've already covered, we see the emergency medical holograms, which was obviously a kind of a callback to Voyager. But this time, they've obviously enhanced it to the navigation, which is quite cool because it kind of keeps it in flow. And then I said to you earlier on that when we see Rios with the the Shrapnel, which mm. is a bit of a mystery how that's happened. I'm sure that'll be explained as as the series comes to an end. Well, it, it looked like it could have been something as innocent as something has exploded and there's a bit of shrapnel that's wound up in his shoulder. Yeah. There wasn't any suggestion he'd been in a fight because he didn't have bruises on his face. or no. it, it, it looked to me like he'd just 
he'd injured himself while he was fixing his ship. Yeah, well, I mean, that would make sense because uh, he calls it Tritanium, which is anyone who knows is what most starships are made up of. That's that. But the other thing that was quite important is the book that Picard picks up, which was the one called The Tragic Sense of Life. Well, that was the one that Rios was reading, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that's that's the book of... That's a 1912 book by Miguel de Yamuno, which centres on the idea that people live tragically as they fight against the inevitability of death, uh, and they, they, work, they work their whole life to preserve uh, their legacy beyond themselves. That also that book then also deals with the differences between faith and reason, and it seems that Rios is a bit of a philosopher. So although we don't see much of his character, we can learn from the book that he's a bit of a philosopher. Well, the fact he's got a book suggests he's probably he going to get on with Picard, yeah, yeah. which is quite. So nice. he's not stupid, is, is the point. And I think we pick up on the fact very early that able to think things through. But Picard is a very thoughtful individual. Well, Picard will have just liked the fact that he had a book and that he was reading yeah. the book. I think yeah. instantly Picard. So I think will, they'll get on. Yeah, They'll be, I think so. It'll probably be great because both of them are leaders. You know, Picard's captain. Oh, I hope we don't get that trope of you two like each other and they all fall out because they're just the same people and then they come to love each other because they're the same people. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I just mean, a mutual respect will do me just grand. It's, it's clear that the, the, the chap's an intelligent chap, which is great, and it means that there's a forward-thinking individual who's open to suggestion that there's more to think about than just a binary choice, which is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. So but Picard adds another element to that. That was good. A little sneaky Easter egg that popped up, which, in fact, not only is it Easter egg, but, in fact, it was a Gorn egg when um, Rafi is going through the um, free cloud thing yeah. on the databank. It came up with a Gorn egg. Uh, no, um, an episode that. last week's episode, I mentioned that where she has her base, where she lives, was where they filmed the Gorn fight between Kirk yeah. in the original series. So again, just another uh, in the episode arena for those people who are not sure about the original series, where her hovel is, she stumbles across a Gorn egg. So again, another Easter egg for that. In terms of the the other one, obviously we get the saviour from the Borg invasion. We, we know that Picard was instrumental in stopping the Borg, even though he was assimilated in season three. Well, they did a really cool reel offers of his major achievements didn't yeah. they? technically he was the causality after being locutus in season three and then killing all those people at war 359 which is why cisco isn't very happy with him at the, yeah. at the beginning of deep space nine he kind of has a lot of things to be proud of because in first contact he was the one who stopped the borg from using time travel to assimilate his- is he still the one who decides who's the new chancellor of the, the well, he- klingon empire what what was so his the role? Ar- the arbiter of succession in the klingon empire season four picard yeah uh, he's involved in the klingon he but said- is that a role he keeps there Yeah, he's still in that. So whenever they need a new chancellor... He would be an impartial judge... Yeah. So he would be he would sit on as, as the arbiter of succession. That's impressive though. He's, it's a he's, nice no title. Longer, he's no longer part of Starfleet. He's just an owl fella who runs a vineyard, but he gets to choose who's in charge of an entire empire. Absolutely. <laughs> but also captain of the Enterprise D and E. Of course. Filled with a whole plethora of history throughout the years. That's a, a nice little accolade. It made me quite proud. My, my spirits rose when he was reeling off all of those things. I was like, JL, you're still in the game, dude. In addition to the Clink, the Arbiter of Succession, and having been involved in the, the, the battle with well, the cube that we've got now, these are all massive turning points in, in Federation history. Yeah. And then on top of that, he was involved with Spock. Yeah, well, he said he served with him, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, and, and as, so an ambassador... Spock's been throughout all of the episodes and the films and everything's a whole history of dealing with Bok, who was a high profile. He was high profile in terms of working with the Romulans as well, wasn't he? 
Yeah. So JL, JL, JL. That's J-L. never good. That's never going to take off <laughs> unless he's in a shuttle. Don't forget the unification between the Romulans and the Vulcans to unify those two two civilizations and try and forge out a, a way to work better. Um, and then, as I've already mentioned, at the ending of this episode ends with Picard saying "engage," which is kind of an obvious one, really. But all I thought the- that was a bit on the nose. It felt forced, a bit the same way as the Earl Grey. I think you could have more naturally. It didn't have to be the first time that he shot off. He said that it could have been, I don't know. Episode let's, 10. Let's say in episode four or five, Rios is injured and Picard has to jump in the seat to take over or something, at which point he does the, the engage, you know, so it feels like it's natural and it fits in. Doing it that way just, uh, you know what I mean? It, it, cheapened, no, it, does, it, it cheapened it. I, what I wanted to see was, you know, there's smoke firing out of loads of consoles and the ship's got a big hole in the side of it and they need to escape and Rios has been rendered unconscious because something's hit him on the head and mm. and there's someone going, what, what are we doing? And Picard just jumps into the seat just completely by habit and says, right, stick it in there, go over there, engage. You know, that sort yeah. of naturally. Well, he'd probably amble, wouldn't he? Uh, and he wouldn't if jump. he'd do that, I'd, yeah, he'd amble him and do it. <laughs> but if that happened, happened to be like yes he did it he said it whereas this one it was like okay look at the camera smile wink engage i think we're going to see a few more of these because he's got the make it so to do and you know it was number one or whatever unless number one jumps on the bridge he brought the dog with him the tl gray kind of got well and truly boring after the first 15 times of using it even the twist of the decaf just don't drink tea what's the point of having decaf you see i'd have done it once i'd have done the l gray tea decaf and I'd have left it the first time because the first time he says Earl Grey you're going ah yes Picard and then when he says decaf there's sort of a, a cheeky nod to the fact that he's just done that reminiscing with mm. you but this is a new time this is a new episode it's decaf it's different I thought that was quite good yeah. but I would have been quite happy for him to leave it then and if he'd have said do you want some tea yeah I'll have some tea but not mention the fact that it's Earl Grey because you don't have to bang on to everyone what it is well, you're no, drinking and also I would imagine you know as we're now kind of coming to the 30th century or whatever it is, they didn't need one one word commands. I was watching All Good Things episode and you had Dr. Crusher saying, milk, hot, nutmeg. Like the computer can't understand that you would probably want hot tea and then it needs, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like by now you wouldn't need, just go, uh, can I have a cup of tea please? Well, the, the MH actually did it when Rios had the thing in his shoulder and he said medical bag or whatever it was and he didn't need to say computer medical bag please or anything like no. that. he just said medical bag and lo and behold the yep. thing just magically appeared yeah which i thought was quite is kind of how you think the computers will act yeah, in the future they would know and they'll anticipate yeah that is the end of the easter eggs and observations this week fantastic well um, done mate if i've missed any and other people want to uh, drop in a message you know where to go yeah indeed indeed and, and you know where to go oh sorry <laughs> at picard talk no i just meant fuck off <laughs> So, what's your rating for this show, for this episode then? Originally, I had eight. Okay. I'm trying to work out why I had eight. It went down to a seven. Okay. Why? Because it's too short. And for the, for the reasons we've kind of covered, with some scenes that didn't need to be there, in the absence of those, I felt we could have told a bit more of the story. With seven, yeah, with the seven episodes left, I just felt that with some scenes being surplus to requirements, and as you quite rightly said earlier on, the fact that we've, we've seen 10 seconds of something we saw in episode two, how long will next episodes be? of telling us what happened in the previous week that we get to a point where there's a minute's worth of prelude and then we we have 40 minutes of story and then we travel so far in space and then we go, that's the end of the episode. 
now we're now we're in space things need to happen very quickly i hope at the risk of all this exposition and backstory we're not going to lose the threads of what this is about now it could all well be planned because it's already been given a season two so the the story writers have the wonderful ability to be able to you know space it out and pad it out a bit and give the viewer a little bit more time to settle into this wonderful relaxing chair of Picard and then season two will go okay we can really ramp it up now but the problem with that is if you recall Enterprise when it started off was very slow to get going and that was dangerously partly the reason why it got cancelled because people weren't and we we also that was when people started season three and four were actually getting quite good absolutely but it already been canned absolutely it was and the problem was is because then that was how TV was changing in how it's watched because sadly it's down to sponsorship and viewing figures because people were seeing it on demand which were massive numbers and the UK was one of the biggest areas of watching Enterprise they're not not taking it into consideration so it got cancelled now it's a streaming service I'm hoping they just don't play fast and loose. Yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. Okay, tell me um, why. Well, my feelings towards this episode are much the same as the last one. Uh, there was some, there's some great stuff in there. There's some nice little callbacks. There's some new stuff in there, which is really good. They do move the story along quite well. I do think there's still some stuff that seems to be dragging a little bit. And I just, yeah, we've we've discussed it. Yeah. I don't go over it again. The fact that I think the crew should be together already and mm. we should be moving out. But, and I do, I, I'm same as you, and I, I sound like a broken record, just make these episodes just a touch longer. I don't think you're going to make them feel substantially slower in pacing but it will just feel like you're getting a bit more information or you're able to move the story along a little bit more without it feeling like I've I've got whiplash, which, Mm. again, I do feel I've got. But I felt guilty about giving it a 7 last week. Okay. Um, I was teaching on a 7 or an 8 last week, and I'm a bit the same this week, but because of my guilty gut feeling (laughs) for having given it a 7, I'm going to give it an 8 because... You know, seeing the old uniform was really cool. Seeing Picard in the uniform was really cool. I really like Raffi. I think she's going to be a nicely damaged goods character. Mm. Um, I'm happy to give Rios a bit of a run for him to prove me wrong. I think the EMH is the EMH is going to be quite an interesting. It's a good uh, dynamic. You know, yeah. I think Doctor Girati. Not convinced whether it's good or bad. So that's quite intriguing mm. i still can't make neither head hide nor hair of whether the federation of goodies or baddies whether the romulans are goodies or baddies I've got not a scooby-doo who's in charge of that ball cube and what they're trying to do there's enough intrigue for me there for it still to be very much like i'm desperate for next week to come along i guess i hope they're going to start clearing up some of these questions because it does feel that the whole Soji, who she is, where she fits in and what they're doing on the cube and where the Romulans fit in is so much of a mystery. I kind of, I, I feel, I, I'm worried that I'm missing something and therefore not enjoying okay. the development of the story. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether I've missed a crucial clue and I've got no idea and I'm being a bit dumb or whether they don't want me to know anything, at which point I'm just a bit frustrated that everything's so wishy-washy that... Yeah. I don't. I can't get involved in the story because I don't know enough about what's going on yeah. at the moment. I'm clinging to Picard and what he's doing because I can understand what he's doing. But even then, I don't really know what it is he's doing at the moment. I understand his mission is find Sodji and that's it, mm. and then potentially find out who she is, what she is, and find Maddox who might be able to answer some of those questions. That seems to be the full extent of their mission at the minute. Well, even Maddox is another variable because Maddox 
is the one who didn't particularly want Data to go into Starfleet and then wanted to dis- uh, disassemble him to re- do some research on him. So, you know, we don't know whether he's gone rogue and is bad. The reason why I went from an 8 to a 7 specifically would be the runtime because I got the impression that it's 41 minutes because when they syndicate this show... They'll put adverts, adverts in, in, take it to an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think, and that's annoying. Well, it is because you're paying for a streaming service. You want an hour. If you look at most shows on Netflix and, and Amazon and Hulu and all the all the streaming services they're about an hour or 55 minute give or take which includes a little bit of an advert for Amazon or whoever's showing it you can tell straight away that if they give that to Channel 5 or um, IT, well, ITV probably all the American channels as well well yeah all of the American I channels I don't know what those are American viewers if you're listening my apologies yeah but you know what we're talking about and so they will I mean Americans have more adverts and stuff anyway so it's just another way for them to generate sell the show syndicate it and get the adverts in which is at the cost of the fan Not, I'm not great great fan of that yeah i know what you mean mm. when you watch other shows on amazon or netflix or i guess cbs all access you won't have this problem of it only being a 40 minute episode and when you think of some of the great shows that have come out in recent times on those sorts of channels and they are an, em- an hour an episode and yet we've got this incredible show that's festooned with history and already has an incredible fan base yep to robbers of 20 minutes per episode, yeah. which over 10, ten episodes is... Uh, two and a half shows. Yeah. You feel a little... I want to say cheated, because I guess that's unfair on them, but you, you feel like it's wasted opportunity, because yeah. we wouldn't moan about having two extra episodes, well, even yeah. remotely. Well, even if you did a payoff and did, I don't know, 12... 40 minute episodes, at least then you, you feel like there's some... Because we're kind of investing our time. You know, HBO... It's another one, an hour show. Game of Thrones, you know, yeah. hour show. And you knew it was an hour packed. And even, well, we've reviewed Game of Thrones, even the last season. On which show, Mark? What? A film podcast. It is. Uh, hey. It is a film podcast. Tune into the shows. Check out on all the platforms, oh, thepodstation.co.uk. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, I, I much the same as you, but that's why I went down from an eight to a seven, because as much as I agree with all the things you said in terms of the quality of the show, 40, 41 minutes worth of viewing is a lot and a lot. It's worrying though, because you're going backwards. You started with a nine, you went to an eight, we're now to episode three, you're down to a seven. I know. Do you think the next episode you're going to take another step back? No, I, I've said quite categorically that I don't believe I'll be giving sixes to these at all. It will be strong, <laughs> it'll be strong sevens. It will never be a weak seven. It will be a strong seven. And it'll be down to some subtlety of the way they've uh, delivered the show. I think it's telling, though, isn't it, that even though we've got some gripes and frustrations, this show is still punching in at seven, eight, nines. Yeah, well, consider that we've all... Well, I always say that nothing's ever a 10, because once you get to 10, you're only going to keep hitting... That's your ceiling, isn't it? You can't have 11 out of 10. So your ceiling is 10. Once you've got there... That's it. You can only always be 10. You're going to, so we're going to have strong nines. I definitely have strong nines. And I suppose, I hope, as we get into... Now we're in space, I would expect the, the show to ramp it up now. I don't want to be seeing... You want the last couple of episodes to be tens, don't you? You do. You want them to you, leave you, you want wanting more. You want them to be like absolutely gasping for the next episode because Absol- yeah, everything's such on the knife edge. Yeah, I don't want to be seeing vineyards. I don't want to be people carrying around bags for life you know, filled with cheese and baguettes. I don't, well, it's not wine trek, is it? Well, no, it's not. I don't want to be seeing that. And it's not baguette trek either. No. Even though baguette trek has got a good ring to it. <laughs> we should have called this show baguette trek. Baguette trek. So I don't, yeah. So anyway. Um, don't baguette trek. I won't. We should never baguette trek. <laughs> baguette you. <laughs> baguette you. 
Or H- Hugh? No, Hugh. Me? No, Hugh. You? No, me. Me? Wee! That, my friend, rounds up episode three. Yeah, let's leave it. Let's leave it on a good. <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. a good note with that terrible joke that we murdered repeatedly again again milk that to the last again. you did yeah you <laughs> let's not go down that route we'll we'll lose even more viewers than the few that we've got viewers we never had any viewers <laughs> Hopefully you've enjoyed the show, though. I have, have you? I've loved doing it. Yeah. We do love doing it. You can subscribe and capture the shows on most of the major platforms. So, you know, you've got your Apples, your Spotify, your Stitcher, your Deezers, whichever one suits you best. If you go to thepodstation.co.uk, you'll find the Picard Talk page. It's got links to all of those platforms. If you go onto it on your device, click on the link, it'll take you there and you can subscribe and then it'll automatically download every time we've got a new show. So these new shows are going to be coming out much quicker closer to the release date of the episode so we're looking sort of mondays or tuesdays each week it should be nice and fresh in your memory that episode and you can you can get another fix that'll hopefully just carry you close enough to the next episode where you don't feel like you're losing out on your your trek absolutely uh, fest as i've mentioned repeatedly Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, give some comments, give us a follow, give us a share. We're really trying to build up some nice momentum for this brand new show. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. If you've got any thoughts or comments, feedback, give us it at picardtalk at thepodstation.co.uk. Five-star reviews. Yeah. Uh, we'd love those because that gets us shown more on the, the lists of shows, although I have no idea how those categories and ratings and charts work. Um, I'm just assuming that if you get good comments or regular comments or high volumes of comments it might move you up any negative comment will be beamed directly into the delta quadrant where they'll be assimilated by lots of borgs amen patreon if you want to actually invest in us and be a bit more personal in in your investment to these podcasts patreon yes we do this at our own peril Our own time is invested in this and because we do all the editing and everything else, there's a lot of time goes into making these shows so you can um, either roll your eyes at us or giggle to your heart's content. So if you feel that you want to personally give us some money... Well, we'd like to ramp it up. Absolutely. If if you're enjoying it, we'd love to do more of this. We'd like to give you more. We can obviously do even more with effects and, and better well, equipment, yeah, I mean, the, Even have people on as guests. Well, I was just, you read cool. my mind. I was One of the things we'd like to do is to invite those who have personally given to support us, and we want to invite supporters and fans of Star Trek. and to be guests on the show. guests on the show, and, and yeah. we'll also be... There'll be giveaways, and we'll have... At some point, we'll have some shows that are kind of going to be providing uh, merchandise and things and give you links to where you can get yourself your own uh, pod station stuff or, or whatever, Picard Talk tops. Well, we'll have exclusive shows shows only for those people uh, so it'd be patreon.com forward slash the pod station go and chuck in uh, a couple of quid and that'd be massively appreciated so indeed that'd be cool you can also get a whole host of other shows we've name dropped multiple ones with the film Podacy and disco fever which will be coming soon they're on the podstation.co.uk you can find a whole raft a plethora of topics indeed we haven't tell you what we haven't mentioned we always forget to mention if you feel Gareth, that you have a podcast in yourself, we can also help you. Yeah, drop us a line. I mean, you can send it to info at thepodstation.co.uk. We have all kinds of packages that are available on the Podstation to have your own show. Yeah. If you've got something, if you think we do Picard badly, why not challenge your, us? Challengers have yeah. have a sister show that will uh, Rival, rival our, our we, take. We, we don't mind having two Picard shows on no. there. We're, the more, the merrier. Absolutely. Um, if you think you can do better, Cool. 
Yeah. Well up for Put that. Put your money where your mouth is. Find find a tier that suits you. Pick a package and then chat to your heart's content. And Gareth, that is for you, sir. Yeah, stop spoiling it for us, Gareth. Yeah. We should have him on even just mum if he's ever allowed out of the house. Yeah. Come on, release him. <laughs> release. We'll start the campaign. Hashtag release Gareth. Yeah, the Chester one. <laughs> Right, well, I think we've done everything I think there. we've covered we, everything, we, so we, yes. The card talked very well. We have. So, without further ado, thanks for listening, yeah, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. See, See you next week. week. Yeah, indeed. Make it so, number one.